Hi, I'm Rich Wynn. And I'm Rebecca Nixon. And this is the PropTech Growth Podcast. Every episode, we interview an expert in the PropTech startup space, gathering their advice and expertise to help you run a successful PropTech business. I'm the portable PropTech CMO, and I help PropTech startups build and scale their commercial growth strategy. I'm Rich from Richwin Consultancy. I specialize in operations, sales, and process, helping fintechs and PropTech companies to grow. I'm in Persia, yeah, and it's freezing. So if I'm shaking throughout the whole thing, it's because it's about minus five here. But yeah, very nice. Tell us about where you started and how you've got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So I was a, I'm a gas engineer and a plumber by trade. I had my own business a few years ago, basically vans out on the road, fixing leaks, servicing boilers, mainly for letting agents and landlords. And doing that, essentially we always got to the the property too late so the ceiling had already fallen through and the tenant was really angry because no one had called them for four days and the landlord was angry because we charged them 80 quid to just go and look at a tap and as there were all these kind of inefficiencies and I suppose off the back of that I took a punt and um, and invested some money and built an app basically which is as you can see which is the help me fix app and the idea was to connect tenants to tradespeople directly so that they could solve simple maintenance issues uh, remotely rather than having to send someone out. And the first version was released at the end of 2020, just going into 2021, and it fell absolutely flat on its face uh, and it was a complete disaster. And then we started again and then re-released it later on in the year and it was really successful. So since then, we've been growing our, our customer base um, over the last couple of years and improving the the software itself so we we changed it from a downloadable application to a web app and took away usernames and passwords and every time we come come up against a barrier we try and improve it and innovate and iterate and and re-release it so that the next version is better and so yeah so that was my journey and then I sold my plumbing and heating business last year and decided to to focus full-time on on what we're doing here and then this year it's really about scaling and and, and getting it out to as many people as possible. And are you co-founder or it's all you? Uh, Yeah so it started off as me it was just just me on my own and then I brought on a CFO called Miles he works on the service full-time we have Derek who does our sales and we've got Adrian, who's our CTO, and he basically runs the development team that, that build all of our software products. And initially we had just helped me fix. Now we've got four software products that we've built for, for different sectors. And Adrian kind of coordinates the development effort on, on all of those. We're a fully remote team. So I'm here in Bedfordshire, uh, in Milton Keynes, Peugeot right now. And we've got Miles, who's in Switzerland, because that's where financial people go. <laughs> and then the rest of our team is in the Ukraine. So we've got Awesome. development team in the Ukraine um, and Artem and Galina they're they're also Ukraine based so yeah quite quite a diverse team fully remote and, and we're all very passionate about what we're doing here and what do you think why did it fall flat on its face to start with and then came back and was so much better so if anyone had told me how difficult it was to build software before I'd started, I probably would have not even bothered in the beginning because I just assumed, so we build video software, right? So a tenant is connected to tradesperson, all very simple. And you'd think that when you build a video application that automatically you can switch the cameras around and do all of the cool stuff you can do in FaceTime. Apparently that is not the case. It basically comes over completely blank like no kind of self camera no turning the screen around nothing like that so 
it was a big shock for me. And then when we re-released the next version, we got rid of the, the downloadable mobile app. We built the web application. We built it so that it was branded and white label. And every time we re-released it, we've done something cool that, that kind of improves the experience for the client. But just as importantly, our services is occupier focused. We focus on the resident really that, so that it improves the service for the resident. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make that process as seamless as possible for, for, the, for the resident and for the tradesperson on the other end of the line as well. Obviously, you've described a team around you that all sound pretty solid. And one of the first things that I say to people with mentoring or whatever, if, if they're a agency person trying to do tech rather than a tech person trying to do agency, I would always say first, you know, you need to get a CTO. That is yeah. the first thing that you should do because they will save you so much time, effort, whether it's a fractional one or whatever, you need a CTO. And you seem to have built a really good team around you. How did you find them or where did you get them? Because I think recruitment is one of the hardest things when it comes to having a startup. Certainly I found convincing people to come to a startup where there is that uncertainty was always quite difficult. Uh, my journey was, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of luck and I know that people say that luck doesn't exist, but really it does because, um, I basically, I found Adrian and our CTO and the dev team purely by chance, just looking for somebody to, to develop my vision. I came across Adrian's company and that they built the MVP and then Adrian loved what we were doing so much that we decided to build a second product together as a joint venture and then off the back of that he obviously became involved in the the parent company trade innovations and ended up as a shareholder now he's cto and how we've built our leadership team is that whenever we've done a funding round the people that invest in the company believe in what we're doing so much that they want to get involved and they come on board so miles initially was an investor who came on board again loved the concept and and just wanted to get involved and and he's been working uh, pretty much full-time for the last 18 months. Will, who basically leads our sales team, he's top, like quite high level. He came in as an investor as well, loved what we were doing, years and years of experience in sales and marketing, and then came on and helped us realize our commercial vision, trained Derek, who, who, who runs our software sales uh, team. So really all of the people that are involved have skin in the game and wanted to become involved. And, and I've just had this great team grow around me. At the end of the day, I'm a plumber. So yes, I do have quite a lot of transferable skills, but the people around me like Miles and Adrian, they have very different skill sets. And, and without them, we wouldn't have been able to achieve what we've achieved. And so this year you're looking to grow and scale. What's that look like for you? Because obviously you've got four, I think you said four products on the market at the moment. So we've got Help Me Fix, which is our main product, which is the one that obviously everyone knows about. We went into partnership with Fixflow in uh, December last year. We launched our partnership. And so we'll be scaling with them, with their contractor marketplace this year. And that will be obviously the agent side of things. Tomorrow morning, I'm pitching to 82 housing providers via Disruptive Innovators Network. And we're hoping to break into social housing this year because actually what we do has a real value in social housing as well as private rented sector. And then off the back of that, we've got a trades focused product called Vixit and which we're going to launch this year. And, and obviously it, it also follows on naturally. Our products are for rented properties, but also for tradespeople to allow them to work after physical retirement. And so we can retarget them and, and, and scale that product as well. The other two products are 
related to Help Me Fix. And we've got one landlord facing product called Hub um, and another secret product, which I can't talk about. That's really good. Um, but what are you most looking forward to so, this year? A, a really big partnership that, again, I can't really talk about, but I'm really excited about. Um, that, that's, that's probably the most exciting thing. I think the journey with FixFlow, it, it's been a long time in the making and we worked really hard to get that partnership going. They're a really great bunch of guys. Actually, they're really nice people to work with and I'm really looking forward to, to growing with them this year and also with their parent, Arion who obviously has a big presence in the social housing sector. So there's lots of stuff going on that I can talk about, but I can't really talk about that, that I'm yeah, excited yeah. about this year. But just growing, basically, and, and growing as quickly as possible is our, our focus. Being the PropTech Growth Podcast, I'd love to hear your <laughs> thoughts on your high-level strategies. You're talking about growth being your biggest, most exciting thing to look forward to. And everyone can see from the outside looking in that you're growing at a very exciting rate. But what are you prioritizing in order to make that growth happen? And what lessons have you learned about growth along the way so far? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, so we grew through partnerships. So that was the, the easiest way for us to grow. The reason is that we're a very disruptive product. So obviously video triage is, is we proved the concept really and so therefore it, it's been quite disruptive and difficult to, to to advertise because people are scared of trying something new that they, they're not really they don't really know how it works so therefore we chose partnerships as our, our vehicle for growth and really that's how we've grown so obviously fixed flow the, the private landlord partnership that we're doing this year but also i think it's important to have a big mix i think it's a bit of everything so our ad strategy is pretty strong we do webinars for our existing clients and new clients we do partner success webinars client success webinars and we're really focusing on that this year as a way to reach out to people and then just every day is a networking day so i live on linkedin i spend most of my life on linkedin uh, talking and, and just i just keep talking every single day about what, what we're doing and meeting new people and and I accept every meeting that I'm offered if someone wants to meet with me I always get in a room with them and and learn about their products and what they're doing and I think it's just being relentless which is the key secret I don't think there's any one secret source I think you just have to be relentless and never give up and just keep pushing even when you're you've got your head in your hands and you, you feel like you're at the end of the rope you just get up and, and do it again the next day and I, I think that's how growth is achieved and success is achieved awesome is that how Peugeot got you there they contacted you on LinkedIn and were like come on yeah. over look at these cars and uh, come and have a chat with us tell us about your business they said we hear you're on the cast and we want to we want to advertise Peugeot in the background so would you come in and we'll give you a free <laughs> desk and coffee maybe they can sponsor us <laughs> maybe <laughs> so you're looking for sponsorship yeah we we are I think this has blown up beyond the either of our expectations and who knew it was such a good medium to actually speak to the people that we need to yeah. and the Steve Rad episode in particular just was uh, you know yeah obviously I work with inventory base and they gave me my first start in the game but Steve Rad is just an exceptional human being like yeah. he's just his business brain and everything about him. And I think that showed through, but he had friends of friends telling him how good that podcast was. And he had existing customers telling him how good the podcast was. New customers, although we can't quantify, we have brought in just on the back of that podcast. Yeah. And obviously it's thrown myself and, and, and Rebecca into the limelight. And I think 
Rebecca in, in, in general comes across so well in these podcasts that there's been an inquiries for, for work off the back of it, which is fantastic. Um, unfortunately, practically, she's not actually very good. She just sounds very good. She's working on that as well. <laughs> Mate, you've got to be in separate rooms because there's no way no, you can get away with that. He's, that in he's the same in Wales, room. I'm in London. <laughs> I'm fine. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, it, yeah, I think that sponsorship is just something that we can offer back to the industry. Obviously, it's not free to record and edit podcasts and run a podcast, but that's currently what we're doing. But on the flip side of that, people pay 10, 20, 50 grand to be at an event and meet 100 potential clients. But a podcast stays online forever and goes out to thousands and thousands of people. So why not invest in getting yourself in front of those people if that's your target audience? And there's plenty of people listening who, yeah, who would benefit from that. So we're keeping that open as an option for sure. And if anyone is interested, just drop us an email and yeah, we'll uh, let you know. People have given up so much of their time and these are people like you who have got no time but they, they've happily given up an hour of their time to, uh, to talk about stuff. And it's not just because people like to talk about themselves. We feel that we discuss quite a, a, a range of things, especially on the, the agents and conveyancing side at the moment. There's a lot going on at the moment, isn't there? We've got, there's a lot going on at the moment. I think I, I had a chat with someone the other day and, and their first question to me was, your product is, is for lettings and how do you feel about the state of the UK private rented sector at the moment? And I, I had to be completely honest and I said, it's shrinking. And, and it's extremely tough out there for agents and for landlords, um, but it's even tougher over in the social housing sector. Some of the people that I've spoken to in recent months, especially when it comes to repairs and stuff, that they're really struggling to be able to deliver any kind of service. So, so there are a lot of challenges at the moment, but I think through those kind of challenges, that's where innovation springs from. So if you've got like loads and loads of problems, you need to come up with really cool solutions to deal with those problems. So every negative is a positive, so they say. But yeah, it's going to be interesting this year what happens with, with the private rented sector and private landlords, especially because they're selling up en masse at the moment. So who knows what the future will hold. So do you see yourself with this ever becoming a direct B2C organization potentially but not with our core product so we've got other products for that i think it's such a big shift in in the way of doing things so traditionally in the old days you you put a man in a van you give him a load of tools and if there's a problem you'd send him to a property and he would go and look at the problem and then go away and get some parts and it was extremely inefficient and and obviously now that there's less money we've got massive kind of sustainability issues we've got carbon footprints and so forth and it's just not the right way to do things anymore there's so many more efficient ways to do that kind of stuff with iot and remote diagnostics and video triage and things like that i think it's more of a it's more of a shift it's bigger than just one sector it's bigger than just the private rent sector it's bigger than social housing we're talking about a shift in the way that that repairs are carried out in general whether it's a homeowner private tenant or a you know resident social housing we see a lot of applications where the technology could be used a lot of of places where it can be used it's just a case of one thing at a time you can't do everything you try and do everything you end up doing nothing so just focus on where the need is greatest at the moment and you touched on environmental there obviously that's something that's going to impact everybody the rented sector and what's expected 
is that something on your radar? It's a massive problem. You've got diesel vans flying around the country. Every time they go to a maintenance issue, they usually go there, look at it, go away, go and get some parts and then go back again. So you've got all these trips. And every time you've got a trip of about 10 miles, that's 800 grams of, of carbon dioxide right there, just in that 10 mile trip. Now you put that across four maintenance issues per property per year, across 9 million households, that, that's a lot of, of inefficiency um, that can be wiped out. And like I said, we don't need to do things like that anymore. You've got IoT that you can put in a property. It can sense a problem before it even happens. Then you've got remote diagnostics that can connect an occupant with a tradesperson. Actually, to do the physical fix, you should only have to go one time with all the right bits to make the repair. So yeah, that there are big changes happening. There's obviously big changes in legislation, both for, with the social housing bill and in the private rented sector now with EPCs and so on and so forth. So I think that there's going to be a big focus on sustainable technologies. And I know that in terms of investors, they already that's already a big thing. So there's been more investment in sustainable technologies over the past 12 months than any other kinds of tech. It's huge. The world's warming up. So, yeah, we've got to do something and very quickly. And I think it's interesting and without given you a campaign to go on the environmental side of what you you do i think is really interesting and that sort of example that you gave is actually a really interesting not case study but it's a really interesting bit of blurb yeah there's two things that, that we focus on the first thing is obviously sustainability because just by default we reduce the amount of times a, a van needs to go to a property the other thing is social impact so we enable retired tradespeople to come back on the tools without having to become estimators or go and become middle management. They can do what they love doing, but they can do it from the comfort of their own home without breaking their back. So there's two really good things that make me feel good about what it is that we're doing. The fact that it saves money is a kind of, it's an aside, really. It's all the other stuff that we, we like to talk about. So, yeah, and, and I think that's important. You have to believe in what you're doing and care. And I think just it comes across that you guys believe in what you're doing. We believe in what we're doing here. And when you talked about how difficult it is to attract a good leadership team. The leadership team was attracted to what we were doing for all of those reasons that we, that we just covered. So yeah, we do talk about it in our marketing, but really it, it just helps me to wake up with a smile every day. You are the happiest uh, <laughs> founder I've ever come across. Because I remember when I was a founder and I did not wake up like you and, look, and I, I lost all my hair for a start. <laughs> Uh, I've aged about 10 years I used to look about 15 years old before I started this business but no it is stressful and I don't know if but yeah I'm smiling and, and I am happy by nature I'm quite a happy guy but we've actually set up a group for, for founders like a support group <laughs> because it is so difficult we've got eight prop tech founders all meeting up together to basically cry on each other's shoulders and talk about how tough it is being a founder it is tough and, and it's very up and down so one minute you've got this massive contract next day it disappears so you're pulling your hair out there's funding that you need to worry about at the beginning anyway so it's, it is very stressful and i think any founder out there i think goes through the same journey it's not easy very tough but yes, I'm happy. Yeah, some advice that I give to pretty much every founder I speak to, and they sometimes laugh. I'm like, I'm not joking. I say, do you have a budget for therapy? Can you budget time and money to speak to somebody once a week or once a fortnight who is outside of the business, who you can say anything to? Mentorship is important, but a therapist can help you manage your mental health. 
And I see so many founders struggling with that. It's really tough. Budget that in from day one if you can, whoever's listening, because it's a yeah. it's a real thing. And and if anyone out there wants to get involved with our little group, just drop me a message. It's not commercially motivated. It's not there for, for business networking. It simply is a group of people that want to be there for each other and help each other. So just yeah, message me. I might come and join because I think yeah. I've, still, I've got PTSD from being a founder uh, back in uh, 2016 to 19. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm joking, but well. we've got some pretty pretty notable people there. You probably know all of them if I was to name them off one by one, and you'd be amazed how many people struggle with the ups and downs. You probably wouldn't. You wouldn't be amazed because you already know. Uh, but the ups and downs and the getting funding and wearing every single hat. Um, and knowing when to step aside and relinquish control as well for someone else. For instance, there was a comment a little while ago, I won't name him, but he said, when's the right time to bring in a CEO? People just assume that founders are natural CEOs, but it's often not the case. They just have an idea and somehow make it all happen and, and put it together. But then you're in charge of running a company. Now, there are people out there that, that are much better at running a company than perhaps most founders are out there. I know that essentially I'm very good with the engineers. So I have a very good affinity with our tradespeople. And that's really where I belong is, is looking after them. But there will come a stage when I will step aside and I will bring in a CEO to run things because you can't be all things to all people. And it's difficult to relinquish control and, and let someone else take the driving seat, especially when it's your baby, when you built it and you care so much about it. Yeah, I think the emotion of it is very difficult, especially when you're obviously you've got those two sort of really emotive sides of um, the social mobility and um, uh, the environment side, the sustainability. I can see how that would be hard, but it, it is one of those things where you have to do what you're best at in order for the business to, to thrive. And in the first two, three years, that's wearing all the hats. But then, like you say, you've had these great people come in. You don't need to worry about the finances now because you've, you've got your CTO, you've got your cmo or whoever else yeah. we didn't know either so we just said head of sales and it just yeah. worked really, really well um, <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're absolutely right and miles uses words that i've never heard in my whole life when talking about the financials and talking about tax and i didn't even know what seis was until i met miles and he took us through seis approval and things like that it's, it's just a different world and yeah i think recognizing your strengths and also your weaknesses is important being a founder because if you try and do everything like, like we said before you're just going to fail yeah i would like to hear anything you might have to say about the the market at the moment so we know that people are struggling to get funding because it's a bit more volatile than usual and you're talking to a lot of um prop tech founders uh do you have any views or thoughts about how that's looking at the moment Hmm. That's that's a really good question. We yes, we closed the small interim round recently. It was tougher noticeably than the previous rounds. However, I think if you've got a good solution and you've got a, a good product, there will always be investors that, that that want to invest. I spoke to a professional investor recently that says that actually as a company that their spend has increased over the past 12 months. So although it is a bit more of a competitive market out there, there'll always be people ready to invest and there'll always be people looking for investment. And I think it's just a bit more difficult with the interest rates at the moment. Obviously it's, it's slightly less attractive for investors. At what point does it get better to just stick, stick your money in a bank 
but but there is investment out there there are people that are willing to invest and just don't give up basically just keep doing what you're doing i do know other founders that are struggling with, with securing investment at the moment so i know it is tough out there and where do you get your hoodies from and will you be sending us one uh, yes <laughs> I will send you one and you just need to choose your colors because we've got all different colors and shout out to smart impressions who do our workwear. They've always done our workwear, even when I had my plumbing and heating company before. So if you're looking for some really cool merch, uh, go and check out smart impressions. They're brilliant. And I will send you both to help me fix the yeah. Thank you very much. Oh, yay. <laughs> Obviously we were just talking about um, it being tough to get investment uh, and mm. it's forced me to, to be quite frugal um with our spending and what that has done in effect has actually chucked me a huge learning curve um because i've had to learn about all different things that we would have usually outsourced but i've had to learn about them myself for instance how to build an, a nurture campaign how to build a sales funnel how to to run a webinar how to do all of these things that how to run facebook ads how to run google ads how to do linkedin how to do TikTok, all of these things that i would have never ever learned about before I basically put myself into like boot camp and learn how to do them so then I can train our internal teams to do them. Now, it would be great if I could just basically just outsource it, but it, it all comes down to how you use the funds that you've got. And I think that in such an uncertain time as we have now, and that, that people need to work really smart and be really clever with how they use their capital. And I think that in itself would be attractive to investors if they see that you're really smart with the way that you use your capital. And has it been reactive or have you proactively gone out and, and that this is what we need to do to, to get it? Or has it just landed there and then it's, oh, yeah, let's do this? Oh, my God, I wish it had just landed there. Yeah, uh, no, it, it's a very proactive process. The first thing I always say to, to other founders when I speak to them, one of the most difficult things about being a prop tech founder or any kind of tech founder is knowing how to go out and get funding and knowing when to do it as well and how much to get because it's very tempting to go out early on and get as much as you can, but actually you want that growth. Do you know what I mean? You, you, you want your valuation to be going up and to basically take as little as you need throughout the process. So like I said before, I bootstrapped at the, at initially and, and I bootstrapped for as long as I physically could and then went through some really sort of small rounds. But each time I went out with a new deck, I find that face-to-face -face deck walkthroughs are really good. So actually getting someone in a room and, and sharing your vision and, and telling them about your vision um, so that they buy in to, to, to what you're saying to them is important uh, rather than just sending out a deck. But yeah, we, we've been very focused. Every time we've gone out, we've known exactly why we were going out, what we've got out for, the amount. And yeah, it, it, it's it, actually getting funding is almost like a whole business in itself. <laughs> and learning how to do it it's very challenging and and especially if there's lots of people involved the rounds can be long so you need to go out before you need the cash rather than when you need the cash like months before and if you are going to be a founder you have to be prepared that you're going to have to go out and sell your product not just to clients but also to investors and learn how to talk about your product and actually what you think is important about your business it's probably not what they think is important about your business. So you need to learn about all the different aspects and, and what they're looking to see. And I think that was one of the first things I did. Obviously, as a plumber, I'd never, ever created a pitch deck before. I'd never gone out and for, for, for investment. I didn't even know it was possible that you could go out and look for, for investment. Had I known that, I'd probably have uh, Pimlico plumbing by now. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's, been a, it's been an amazing journey. 
uh, uh, lots of learning curves along the way. What you've achieved is absolutely crazy. And you must look back occasionally think 12 months ago I was here and now I'm here. This is like madness. It is, it is, it is mad, yeah. But one of the things that I always say to myself is you can achieve anything. It just takes time and pressure. And essentially, if you've got time and you apply enough pressure consistently every single day, then something will give eventually. But it, it, it is frustrating. It is, <clears throat> it's tough. But yeah, I do look back and I think I was, was in the gym this morning and I, I bumped into another plumber that I know. There was three plumbers all working out together. It was the weirdest thing. And I was talking to him about my old business, Elite Heating and Plumbing, which I sold last year. And he was like, oh, yeah, I used to work for you via this other guy two years ago and I was like oh my god I was just looking at him and I was like this is just a completely different world to, to the one I live in now and yeah it is a bit crazy but I think the one lesson is that anything is achievable you can achieve anything you just need to just keep pushing and never give up god I sound like one of those really cheesy ads but yeah it's true an inspirational quote on Twitter. god <laughs> Just keep the pushing. picture of a lion behind black and white. Yeah. <laughs> and my business coaching will soon be available at. <laughs> yeah. My my LinkedIn thing tomorrow is going to be definitely a quote, and I'll put Etten Brazil at the bottom of it. Your smile must be infectious because my cheeks are hurting. <laughs> uh, so. Thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the PropTech Growth Podcast. To learn more, you can find us on LinkedIn or email proptechpodcast at icloud.com. See you next time.